Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm Kristen Lighty, your host, and I'm super excited. Tonight we have with us Diana Hong. Hey, Diana. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. So, you know, we met this June at Limestone in Bloomington, Indiana, and I had a very wonderful time searching for food with you and chatting. And you're you're located in L.A., right? I am. I can't believe that was June. It felt like it kind of feels like lifetimes ago. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it's only five months ago. That's crazy. Are you serious? It does feel right? like two years ago. Yeah, because June, June and it's November. That's like five, six months I don't know. Does that mean time went slower or fast? I can't tell. I don't know. Honestly, post-COVID, I just have no um, ability to gauge time anymore at all. Like Same. I thought, because we were just talking about Spotify routes, but because I saw everybody else's, I was like, oh, it must be like this, like late December. And then I was like, wait a second. No, we're still in November. What is happening? Yeah, it does feel wild. I've also, um, I'm taking most of December off because I have a lot of PTO backed up. So like, I'm only going to work two weeks in December and that's it. So that feels pretty victorious. Oh, Oh, yeah. No, actually one week. Okay, I'll stop bragging now, but. (laughs) (laughs) what? So what's the game plan now that you have like, that's almost a month. I mean, we're just going to round up. That's like a month off. Yeah. No one's going to expect you to do anything. No, I and I told all the union leaders I work with, like, I'm going to be out of the country. Uh, So like I'm off December 9th through January 3rd. And I'm going to be in Mexico for a good majority of that with my boyfriend. Oh, that sounds (laughs) much fun. Hopefully it'll be warm. Yeah. I guess anything's kind of warmer than Wisconsin in November. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I I would take um, Idaho over... (laughs) (laughs) we were complaining about how cold it's been i think it was like 56 or something the other night and it was freezing and everyone <laughs> here's been and it rained yesterday and everyone lost their mind because there was a rainbow oh that's sweet <laughs> it rained for like 20 minutes and everyone was like oh my god <laughs> it's the end of the world <laughs> my aunt she is a teacher or she was a teacher in la public school she did physical therapy for kids affected by violence and so i would come visit her sometimes and we'd go to school together and i would laugh so hard because it would be like 60 degrees out and all the kids would be in winter jackets and i'd be like shorts <laughs> and a t-shirt like let's go yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I think I went out last night and um, it was like an outdoor show and I wore like four layers. <laughs> I was like still like and I got forgot my beanie in the car and I was upset. It was it was, the, it was like late, like high 50s. I don't know why I said late 50s. <laughs> LA has taken over anything above 20 is late. If I'm remembering correctly, you grew up in California, right? I did. I am California spoiled. I grew up in Sacramento. I did go to school at Washington State, though, which is on the east side of the state next to Idaho. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we got all the seasons. And I was like the only California kid on our dorm floor the freshman year. And when it snowed, I lost my shit. Like I was that one kid that like went up and down the hall, like waking everybody up and being like, you guys, it's snowing. And everyone was like pretty much like either from Oregon or Washington. And they were just like, okay, like give it three days. Like this is not exciting. And then exactly three days later, I was like, I hate this. 
so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I still love this though. Like, uh, like, I don't know if you can see, but like we put out uh, Christmas decorations. I used to work holiday at Nordstrom <clears throat> decorating and stuff. Like I love oh, cool. the idea of winter and Christmas since I don't celebrate Christmas. I, as an adult, I do just because of lights and presents. But the actual, like, I just, I love, like, winter. So I'm kind of, like, I am bummed it doesn't snow out here for that. Like, I think I would, like, a white Christmas. I haven't experienced one of those in quite a while. Yeah, well, you know, I got a guest room. If you want to come see some snow and some depressing alcoholics, we got you. That's my favorite, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) I will admit, there is such a coziness to it. Like I've really embraced that idea of just, well, I've like given up. I've submitted to winter and I'm going to quit whining about it. And I'm just going to dress with the correct amount of layers and gloves. I'm going to wear gloves instead of doing the hands in my coat thing. Yeah. And and now that I've done that and shown winter some respect, I do actually enjoy it. And uh, I like being at home under a pile of blankets reading. That feels really nice. Right. And like what other excuse like you can't wear a onesie when it's like 90 degrees outside like winter's the only time you can wear onesie is like if you have a fireplace. I don't know. That's gold. Get a house, have a fireplace, wear onesies and like read a book and like hot chocolate. <laughs> you know, like those are just like I, I feel like those are goals one day. But yeah, yes. you can't do that in the summer. That's weird. It's too, hot. too sweaty. You yeah, you can't do it in the spring fall is like I don't know with global warming it feels like we don't have a fall anymore that's really true honestly our winters are really mild up here now I remember when I was little snowbanks would be like over my head and winter lasted forever I was actually I was listening to the Cat Williams bit this morning about winter and global warming and he's like winter used to be 19 months long (laughs) it didn't feel like that It did. And now it feels like because like it just started getting cool down here like a couple days. Like I've been having like some sinus issues because when the temperature changes drastically, like I always get like kind of clogged up. And so like Mm. it happened a couple days ago, like one day it was like 85 and the next day it got down to like 60. And that was my cat. I don't know if you heard him. No, I didn't. But I demand to see the cat. Oh, show let me show you the cat. Casper, <laughs> where are you? you? Someone wants to see this. Where the cat, the, I feel like the podcast has been derailed. Speaking of murder, this cat who's oh, under the t- he knows that he's is a very cute cat. He's so pretty. He has like the brightest blue eyes and he's like very cuddly, but I think he's such an asshole and I think he does it on purpose. Oh, yeah. He knows he can get away with it because he's exactly. good looking. He's, and then I moved the room around today, so he's mad. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't ask his permission. Of course. He's your roommate. So how long have you been in L.A.? Three, three years, I think. I think we're coming up on three years. We were in Orange County for like three years before that. And I think we moved here in 20 or 18, 19. That sounds about right. Something like that. So I think we are coming on like five years total. I don't know how the math works out anymore, but like, yeah, no time. Time. I've been here for time. (laughs) I've been here for some time. We signed, (laughs) we would have signed the lease the third time if we signed it. So we're been here for two years. I think that's what happened, right? Because if you've been here for a year, because this would have been the third time. So if we signed it next year would have been three years. Okay, cool. Yeah, I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you like, you just get all these like messages from people listening to this being like, uh, Diana doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. (laughs) She's been there for seven years. 
<laughs> It'd be really even better, though, if like your apartment never existed. And then they were like, well, there was a Diana that lived here 50 years ago. <laughs> Honestly, I this is a haunted I podcast. Like everything's. A... Did I tell you what happened at Limestone? No, but like what this, I think it, she was a comic. I don't know who she was, but I got off stage and she she was in the green room and she's like, "Hey, are you a Gemini?" And I was like, "No, I'm a Taurus." And she was like, "I was like, why would you think I'm a Gemini?" She's like, "We don't have time to unpack our traumas right now. Like, I'll talk to you the, later this weekend." <laughs> then I never saw her again. I don't know who it is. Like, she didn't inter- Like, there was no interaction besides she did say good set. So, like, she's very chill in my is like when someone compliments your comedy i feel like you just get a pass for yeah everything. oh we're friends forever now great yeah but like yeah so i feel like ever since that interaction i'm like everything feels like a, a simulation like nothing feels real anymore because i i don't know if that person really exists existed like i never mm-hmm. saw her the rest of the weekend i was like how are you gonna just be like we'll talk about our traumas and then leave it's very direct i like it I actually, I just wrote this joke last week about how if I love staring at a wall and spacing out so much that if we are living in a simulation, I am not a main character. (laughs) (laughs) I talked to this, like, it was like a friend's daughter. She was like, she was 16, 15 years old. And she, she, I, I forgot how we got on the topic, but she was like, sometimes I think like the other people in my class who are like really quiet and that I don't really know are NPCs. <laughs> wow. It's <laughs> kind of scary. Yeah, it is. But it's like, also like, I could not argue with her. I was like, you know what? Maybe I, who am I to say also been doing mushrooms? Who knows? Everything <laughs> is possible now. <laughs> Yeah, that's a new layer of intrigue. Uh, You never know. So how did you start doing comedy? Oh, that's a long ass story. Uh, We're never getting to the movie. We will. We'll get to it. We'll cry Um, about dad stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Speaking of daddy issues, it's kind of maybe that's why I got into comedy. I don't know. I was I was I did professional. I was a golfer like that was like from when I was 12 to like 22, 23. How did you know you loved golf and were so good at it to go pro at 12? Well, I have this. I now as uh, um, being an adult and listening to a lot of podcasts, I realize I have an issue with turning hobbies into ways to make money. Like mm, I can't just capitalism. Let, yeah, mm-hmm. I just can't just enjoy something. So like what happened was um, when I, my parents used to have a video store, one of the guys that used to work there would watch golf on TV and I would be I don't know why anyone let me around people as much as they did, but I was like, golf is for, <laughs> I was such a little shit. I was like, golf is for old people. And now that I'm like 35, I'm like, that's rude. I should have said that. Hey, Maybe you call it like you see it. Cause like he, I, you know, I was like in elementary school and he was, I think maybe 45, 50. And that's like ancient, right? You're just like, so <laughs> I was like, golf is for old people. And this is before tiger and everything. Right. So it wasn't remotely cool. And uh, he took me out. He was like, you can't knock it to try it. Took me out to the range and I was really good. And so because I was good at something and my parents were like trying to put me in extracurricular activities, I was like, I want to do this. And I never, I, I don't think I ever really had a direction in my life as much, but I knew that I didn't want a nine to five. 
Like I always wanted freedom. Like my dad was, he owned businesses and his whole thing was like, I don't want a boss. Like I want to be my own boss. And I think seeing that and growing up with that was always what drove me to just like, I don't think I can do any conventional path. Like I think if I had that in me, I'd probably be a lawyer, but I just, I, I can't, I can't have a boss. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been like, I've noticed every job I've had, um, except for this last one, I've been very good. <laughs> I've been very good about like not like caring too much but uh it's just like I think it always comes to a point where I find out I don't know how to I haven't really worked this thought this is the first time I'm saying it out loud but I find out that the person I work for is an idiot and I just no longer can do that like I always find like something where I just feel like they're like to me if you are in a position of power and you don't respect the people the people's time below you basically you don't do your job well right Mm -hmm. it's just disrespectful and I take those type of things extremely personal even if they aren't so like for example like I worked with this guy I worked at Coca-Cola I was a merchandiser and then this guy the sales guy who's technically my boss right he would like not pay attention to what he has to order so because he just mass orders things to make his numbers and none of it makes sense I'm responsible of like organizing and like moving things around and that's this is a physical demanding job that type of stuff like gets me really mad and I feel like especially uh, there is a lot of times where when you work with people who aren't there for like you you don't work with people who who care about others I, I don't know what it is I haven't figured it out yet but like that type of stuff just like really makes me mad like people taking advantage of people like that type of shit makes me mad and so I just like no I never I don't do well in that field and so like I felt like golf was like my way out because I was good at it and also like it's not something where I have to be in an office or doing anything like that so like just from the moment I was told I was good I was like oh well I guess this is what I'm gonna do wow that's a hell of a story and I totally relate to, you know, being angry at incompetent management that uh, I made a career out of that. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think like that's that's amazing. Like if I if I known that was a career, I think maybe that my life would have been on a different path. But it's just like, you know, you, you, for me, I, I didn't think a lot of things were an option. Like when I was young, I was like, maybe I'll be an architect because I, I like drawings and numbers and stuff so I you know like it was always that or a a doctor or like it wasn't there weren't any the world was very limited to me I feel like and so Mm -hmm. when I had golf it felt like it expanded a little bit and then when I was in high school I was like graduated it was like my senior year and my friends showed me like Cat Williams the Pimp Chronicles special and then like that opened up comedy to me because even though I saw Margaret Cho like every Asian girl seen Margaret Cho that grew up in the 90s everyone knows who that was and like the impact that she's had but like when I saw her I think for me it was it was just like oh wow it's crazy that an Asian Korean woman could do this like talk about sex and like make people laugh and just be like unapologetically her and I think that was just like I never thought that was an opportunity for me, though. Like, I saw her as like, oh, wow, that's so cool to be. Like, she was tatted and everything. I was just like, wow, that's great. But then, like, I I felt like because I'm not, like, I don't do act outs. I don't do accents, especially during that time where a lot of comedy was act out and accents, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like, okay, stand-up wasn't for me. But then when I was older and I think I was like, I was really depressed at the time too. And I saw, and I watched Cat Williams and I was laughing and like seeing that, like that introduced me to like, oh wow, like 
this feeling is what I want. So it was like, it took a couple times of like seeing comedy in different ways for me to be like what I really like about it. But then like, I think, you know, planting that seed. And then like, when I decided not to do golf anymore, I kind of went back that my first thing was like, like, it was very quick. I think I decided not to play golf anymore. And then the next day I was like, I'm gonna do stand up. Like there was no, no, like pause. I did not take a mental health day, nothing. I was just like, I think because my mind was just like, I went to the thing that made me happy the last time I could remember. And I think I quit golf at like 24. And like the last time I remember being happy was like laughing at a Cat Williams special when I was 17. So like, to me, I felt like that was just like, this has to be it. So it all kind of happened so fast. Like, of course, there's like a mental break. Like I was like, I'm going to be a comedian. And then I like lost everything like uh, the girl I was dating uh, we broke she basically kicked me out we broke up and then I my parents didn't want anything to do with me and like I was alone I I was like kind of crashing on a friend's couch kind of not and then like so I ended up in the psych ward for a couple days and like or a week and then like I had a whole breakdown on like identity yeah so it just like kind of happened all so quickly so I don't like really yeah it kind of that's why I'm like if I'm like oh this is like how I started and stuff it just kind of it all goes together Mm because there was no breaks and like one caused the other I guess wow that's a really uh intense sense of reflection you had to realize like the last time I was happy was when I was 17 laughing at this special I mean some people go their whole lives without knowing themselves like that. So you should be really proud of that. Thank you. I never thought of it like that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I just, I, it, it was just so crazy. I think like I was just, because I grew up in a very violent household, which is why I don't like, I don't watch horror movies actually like at all really, but I've always been so fascinated by the storyline and like, especially a good horror movie um, that gets into, I guess like, the morality of people and so like that like I appreciate that but like having grown up in like such a violent household and then like you know going through like it was like I feel like the times of being happy or like feeling that sense of like everything's gonna be okay is like yeah it just stood out to me so much because it was just like you know when everything's like kind of like this like if you look at a graph and there's like a peak and it goes like this Mm -hmm. so like I do I mean I guess yeah I never thought of it like that I do feel fortunate in that sense um I guess at the time I never thought of it as being fortunate because I was like everything sucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think we spent we all spent a good part of our lives in that territory You know, I I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff and they'll always be like these couples that like hate each other so much that they murder each other. And it's like you could get a divorce like you can change your life. It's fine. You know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it's a gift to be able to do that as someone who also, you know, went through divorce and got sober. It's, um, you know, it feels powerful. It does. That That's a great, great point. And I feel like I have also just been on this journey now, too, where I just could not live with what was going on in my head. And so I've been listening to like a lot of self-empowerment stuff and like even getting really woo woo, like I've well, you're in so LA. Come times. on, you got it. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> my girlfriend. When I said something, she was like, "Are you? Do you think we're getting too woo woo?" I was like, "Honestly, do you think we have the luxury to not try? Like, we're just like so much shit is happening. <laughs> we have to try it all. We cannot be picky and be like, oh, this is too much. Like, let's go for it all.'" 
And so um, I like, I don't know if you know who Mel Robbins is. No. Oh, she's like, a, I don't even know how to call it. Because like when I was first introduced to this type of stuff, like as a kid, it was like called self-help. And I feel like maybe people think self-help is like not as an empowering term. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I, I don't know exactly what, but she's like a coach. Like she is just like, she has a podcast where she brings guests on, but like that talk about life and like uh just like basically ways to break out of cycles of like bad habits or like things that you've been thinking so like for example like one guest she had they talked about people who are addicted to drama and like what that looks like and like how to deal with it but I listened to her for like six hours the other day and that's like oh, wow. I'm not, yeah it, it's because at the job that I'm at I can like just put on my headphones and listen to like podcasts but like it really has been like a thing that I've been like trying to commit to and like the last feels like the last six months or so um I feel like that was kind of like been a priority for me um to get into that because it's like when you have gone through so much shit that feels like it's gonna break you and then you feel like you get out of it but I don't think if you don't properly deal with the trauma of everything's like happened it's still like follows you and like but I had such a hard time and I think that really like kind of put the gears on on like focusing on like empowering myself like through just myself and not getting like external valid validation yeah that's that's so important I really like what you said about you know dealing with past trauma so that it doesn't influence your future so I felt like I went through this period of time where I was like I'm fine I'm fine everything's fine you know just push it down and then um, that manifested in different ways where like I wouldn't trust people or I would just like always be suspicious of people, always have mm -hmm. like think um, things are going to turn out negatively. And it was just like this cloud around me. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. You got to work out your shit if you want to move forward. Yeah. You can only like push it down for so long before that shit blows up and it's always going to be at the worst time. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's never, never at a good time. <laughs> Yeah, it's never like when you're sick and already dealing with something else, you know? Exactly. It's always like right before something big or like, you know, when everything is already fragile. I don't know. I just it got to the point where I'm just like, I can't just keep living like this. And I feel like after doing it for like 30 something years of just like pushing shit down constantly, it it really did like, yeah, it just was starting to manifest itself in like a way where I think it was like, you know, kind of like the two paths. It's like this could go really bad if I just go through this or I can work. It's going to be hard, but in the long run, it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like I felt like I was kind of instantly drawn to you at Limestone and just started chatting and having a nice time. I felt like you were someone who is very like emotionally intelligent and emotionally aware. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Ooh. Lots of trauma. <laughs> trauma bonding. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were the mysterious trauma bonding Gemini seeking person, uh, message the show. <laughs> yeah, please. Because I've actually been like trying. I It's not even a bit. It's me telling the story and being like, if you happen to hear the other half of this, please let them know I'm looking for them. Yeah, we'll like, find her. Do you know, like, do you feel like you know how you're perceived by other people? No, not at all. Like... <laughs> Not in the least. There'll be times where I'm like so angry and um, people have told me like, oh, I didn't know you were mad. I'm like, my whole face was beat red. Like, how could you not tell? 
isn't that, that's so wild to me that's why I, like it threw me I think that's why I'm so desperate to find this person because I'm just like how what what about me is coming off where I gave off a certain energy <laughs> you know because it's like I I just like I think I'm one way right like you I think we all have this like idea of who we are or how we come off and I I, I think whenever because I tried this I was at a mic and I was trying this bit out and I was like okay I don't and it's important for the bit because it's like I I am a prude like I sex makes me very uncomfortable and like talking about sex but I love the porn industry like as a business so like as a business interesting (laughs) I will talk about porn but as like what your preference as a consumer I don't like talking about it basically right Mm -hmm. and so I was like at this mic and I was like okay just to clarify like how do I come off like do I come off as like a prude and like everyone said no except for the people that knew me said yes so it was just like a weird like oh Hmm. like how you know like I don't I feel like I'm also very friendly and I've been told that I come off as a bitch can you I get that a lot too I think I'm just a fun little nerd and people have told me like oh I was really intimidated when I met you I think it's because I don't always smile sorry it's like people want you to smile but it's like who has the energy for that like if I'm gonna put energy into you I'm gonna it's gonna be real energy it's not gonna be the like muscles of my face that I'm working on that doesn't mean shit I know I think it's uh reclaiming my soul from all the customer service work I've done in my youth you know I'm like I'm not gonna smile for no fucking reason Maybe, you know, that's probably what it is for me too. Now that you say that, because I am like, I've been in customer service like my whole life because my dad's store, like I was working there and stuff. And I think you're right. Like, because I do it, I'm like, if you don't pay me at least minimum wage, I am not doing this for you. <laughs> Get me minimum wage and a polo shirt. And then <laughs> we'll talk. All, all the smiles. Yes. Okay. So all the smiles, but uh, we should get into it. We should, uh, you know, for the movie to talk about, Diana has chosen Train to Busan, which um, heart attack and a tearjerker. What made you pick this movie? Um, It's like one of the only horror movies that I can watch. Mm. And I think it's because it's more suspense than horror. And I think that it's so perfectly designed in that way that it gives you just enough horror that keep you just like your heart rate up and then just does the like up and down sad and I'm always like being Korean I related to it so much and also is one of those movies before Parasite there was Train to Busan and there was like also Old Boy for kind of the like deep cut people who have a lot of daddy issues so like for me Train to Busan was just like I think just something I'm like really proud of as a Korean person, even though I had nothing to do with the project. You can claim uh, it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I I just feel like it's just so well done and truly like kind of it truly tells a story of well, tells a story very well of like the the hardships that parents have, you know, being torn between like working really hard to provide and like not understanding that like sometimes just being there and like loving your child and that way and spending time is like the most important thing um especially like my parents worked all the time like I practically raised myself like I never because my dad would my parents would go to the store and so they had like 
depending on the time, like two to three video stores. And then like later they had when video stores were kind of going down and they're trying to find a way to save the business. Like they would have, a, they had a dry cleaners and they had a coffee shop and then they had like a mini post office out of the one of the video stores. So the store would open at like eight or nine. One of them was all the way in like Davis, which is like a 40, 40 minute drive at that time, maybe like an hour now, but like around then it was like 40 minutes. So I would, my dad would take me to school and then I would either walk home. Yeah, at that time I would walk home or like if I was golfing, my mom would pick me up. But like I wouldn't sometimes see both my parents or at least one of my parents until like 10 or 11. Mm. So I never saw them. And so it was just like, I think I kind of just related a lot to the movie as well, because that's kind of what the daughter was going through with the dad. She never saw the dad. That's why she wanted to go home to her mom. And, And I just feel like he... Like, yeah, in his mind, he's like, oh, like, let me buy her the Wii. Like, I just feel like that scene of like, she, it's her birthday, she opens it up, it's a Wii, and she's not happy. He's like, what's wrong? You don't like it? And like, he even got the only, only got the idea because it's like assistant. He didn't even come up with the idea. He asked his assistant, what do kids like? Mm-hmm. He didn't say like my daughter, he didn't, or like girls or any, he like, you didn't even know the gender of the kid or any, you still don't know the personality of the kid. He just said, what do kids like? Got a wee. You look, she looks up and there's a wee there that she got for Children's Day. Yeah. So, which is a holiday that's not as big as someone's birthday. So it's even like you got the same thing. So I feel like that was kind of like just moments like that in the movie. Like everything's so well done. Um, If we want to skip to the ending, the ending, I felt like it was just like, I, I also am trying to like work out a bit about this, but it worked. It's too, too sad like it's the saddest (laughs) I ugly cry every time I watch this movie it's so sad but like the thing that gets me the most is like I have this bit where I talk about um how like the movie's so suspenseful because like everyone's dying and all of this but like for me the most suspenseful part was waiting to see if the dad tells his daughter I love you Mm, yeah and he he does not oh yeah see that's the reaction of the audience no one (laughs) ha-has but (laughs) because that's (laughs) culture like we will tell you we and show we will show you we love you in every way possible through food through gifts like through working so hard like we talk about love languages it's literally every single one except for words of affirmation and I think like at the end he gives his life protecting his daughter right and then like make sure that she's safe but like when he's saying goodbye he's just like make sure like giving her instructions on how to survive and then his last thoughts, as you see, is him holding his daughter. Like, that was, like, his last memory that he wanted to go out with. Like, which is, like, if you tell that to anyone, you'll be like, oh, he loves his daughter. But did he say it once throughout the movie at all? No. No, like- you're right. <laughs> that's, like, the difference in culture. And I think that's what really, for me, I like it so much because it, like, perfectly, it not perfect, but it, it's so close to, like, perfect to me where it's just it, sh- it can show Americans what it really is like to be Korean like we don't do words we do everything else like even the sisters like when she like gives her like peels the boiled egg and her sister's like when did you even have time to do that and she's like mm-hmm. this is how I show I love you and then like you know it's just like I-, I feel like they were so good at showing different dynamics of like people and also I feel like the movie is a lot about like people who which is great for capitalism right it's like you are you is it better to be selfish or is it better to help others Mm. and I feel like that whole movie has just been back and forth back and forth 
and but at the end the two people that survive are the ones that helped others but then at the same time the people there are plenty like the husband of the pregnant wife oh I loved him so much right like it was just like and you get these characters that are just so I don't know just so human but like just amazing like I just feel like that couple was so amazing even when they first met the like daughter and the dad was like or the husband was like what's your dad do oh he's like a blood sucker and the daughter's like <laughs> the wife is immediate like don't say that in front of his daughter and she, the daughter's like it's what everyone's thinking like it's just yeah, like <laughs> such a like just great scenes great and it's not all constant like gore and jump scares like I feel like the jump scares weren't even that I don't think they did that many jump scares it was a lot of like tension building like it did cuts like when she was like going through the train like the daughter was looking for the bathroom before like they knew the the thing the outbreak happened and it's like every door like we knew as the audience that like it was happening in like this type of thing like in between the trains where the bathrooms are and Uh it was every door is like oh is she gonna see it and like it was just so well done and it's like they built the suspense that way they didn't build a suspense with like, oh, everything's fine. And then, rawr, which is like, to me, I feel like that's why I never really liked horror movies because it felt kind of lazy. Yeah. You're just trying to like jump scare all the time versus like Train to Busan just keeps your heart rate at like, oh, you know, just hundreds. I don't know how heart rates work, <laughs> but like very, very high, <laughs> very high the whole time. Like I'm just like on edge, just like what's going to happen. And like, I don't know. I felt like the ending, even though it was sad, it was just so well tied where she's this her singing the song that she couldn't finish is what saved them. Yeah, the movie, it's it's perfect. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, I think that's why it was like, for me, it just like resonated so well. And I, I got over my horror thing. And I, I do think I think like, yeah, that movie really helped me get over it because I did see Parasite. And Parasite, I loved. Mm-hmm. I loved Parasite. And then because people kept selling Parasite to me as a horror movie, I didn't watch it for a very long time. And I wanted mm-hmm. to support it. So it kind of sucked. And then someone told me, it was like, it's not even scary. It's like more suspenseful. And so I watched it. And then because of that, I was like, oh, this isn't bad. Let me give Train to Busan a shot. So I went like backwards. And then I think that's why I like Train to Busan more than Parasite. Because Train to Busan to me, like really was more about like the morality of like humanity versus I think Parasite was more about class and like the economy and like Mm -hmm. that the psychology of like people and money in different classes yeah and like the daddy issues weren't as strong as Trina Bruce on (laughs) which is what I really was looking for yeah you know I found it odd that people categorize Parasite as a horror movie but I was like well maybe if you're a rich person I guess it is (laughs) that's so funny that's so true and also like I mean but like didn't Midsommar I thought was a weird horror movie as well I was like really this is oh I liked that one I love a cult story you know (laughs) but it to me wasn't horror it was more like yeah cult and like suspense like I didn't get the horror vibes at all which is like yeah that's a good point I mean Ari Aster focuses a lot on the interpersonal kind of thing yeah um so yeah I mean it, it it's not it's not horror in the traditional sense of like slashers and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. I you think it's like, point. like the thriller part. I think that's the part of horror that I like is the thriller part and like the, the psycho um, analysts of, of people. 
Mm-hmm. And I think like Midsummer, even though Midsummer wasn't my favorite, I think it was just like so bright and I was so confused. <laughs> but I do see why people like it. And I do, and I think like, you know, with Parasite and stuff, like I feel like there is like this subgenre of horror that I feel like is kind of more my lane. Like I don't really like the slasher stuff. I don't really like, you know, the, like even the religious stuff gets a little like I'm like this. I, I never grew up religious. I don't know much about religion. So it's not something that's like I'm just not the audience for it. So I feel like this lane is like what I like. Yeah. You know, you might really like uh Guillermo del Toro's movies. Um like the orphanage was one of my favorites very like oh, psychological really? horror yeah oh i'll send you some links after <laughs> yeah 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 send me some links because like i know um didn't he do like a cartoon or something like that oh he did pinocchio which i really loved i haven't seen the pinocchio but he did something else um that was like a series that i really liked and i didn't realize he did like horror like i didn't i didn't know that he that was his thing but apparently like he is like kind of more of the darker yeah, I find I really like his Spanish language works a lot. And oh, really? a lot of the stuff he works on in English, I'm kind of like, hmm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the thing about Train to Busan. My Korean is a little rusty, but there are there was definitely some translations that didn't translate completely. Um, but it, I mean, the translation, the captions worked fine enough, but it was just like, I don't know. I also feel like, for me on a personal level, just the, just hearing Korean makes like brings me back to home and stuff. So I feel like that's also another reason why I've like really enjoyed this movie is because like, it reminds me of like my family. Oh yeah. That's very cool. I have noticed like when I try to listen to movie, I mean, I'm, I don't speak any other languages, but when I try to listen to movies where they dub in English, I just can't do it. Like, it's it was, so weird to me. It, I tried Train to Busan dub just to see, like, for funsies. And mm-hmm. it was, I don't know who the voice is. <laughs> it does not, it does sound weird, but it's also, like, sometimes it just sounds, like, comical, like a bat. You know, like, when they did the Kung Fu movies and they were, yes. like, definitely, like, it feels like that all the time. Like, it feels like, oh, you're making, this is a joke. Like, yeah. this is it for real. <laughs> I feel like that too. Like everyone's excited and talking like this. And they're just yeah. like, stop it. I way <laughs> rather read it. Like I almost didn't watch Squid Games because I was watching it with English um, oh. dubbed over. And I was like, oh, this is so bad. And my friend was like, turn that off and read it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's way better now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 100%. I had a Chinese friend that was watching it and dubbed and I was, I was so mad at him. I was like, first of all, you're Asian. Second of all, this is just rude. <laughs> This is rude. <laughs> but he was, his his justification was like he was trying to listen to it in the background, which I doubled down on the rude thing. I was like, this guy spent way too much. He lost a tooth or so, like six teeth or something like that. Like he was grinding it so hard during the making of Squid Game. Like the least you can do is watch it. Oh my God. The least you can do. Yeah. He wow. like, it was a whole thing where like it took like, was it like seven years or 10 years or something like that to make the thing? Wow. And he like, lo- like he was like grinding his teeth so bad that he lost like hella teeth. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Do a GoFundMe. But the art is, but it's great. Uh, it's like, <laughs> thank you. For- yeah. <laughs> and thanks for your teeth, dude. <laughs> have you seen, have you seen all of us is, all of us are dead? No. Do you like the zombie? Like. I do. Okay, so All of Us Are Dead is a zombie, a Korean zombie, like, miniseries on Netflix. 
it, the outbreak happens in the city, but it primarily focuses on these high school kids. Oh, I will check so that out. The, the whole, oh, it's it's so good. Like we had to take, my girlfriend and I watched it. We had to take breaks because like her, wow, she had an Apple watch and it kept being like, hey, your heart rate is like really high and you're sitting down. Like, <laughs> and like Apple intervenes. <laughs> yeah. Apple was like, this is not good for you. And we ugly cried so much. And it's just like, I think it's also because the thing about it, too, it's like Trina Busan is like this little girl, right? And the whole thing is like, he is protecting her. She can only do so much. She's a tiny little girl. Mm -hmm. Um, But and all of us are dead. They are high schoolers. So you have the relationships between them, but you also have the relationship between them and their parents. And you know how that's also more complicated because you're you're a teenager, like you know life is you are a certain way and like all of that and so like it compounds that and so it's just like so good Mm, yeah i will check that out so um i speaking of zombies i really enjoyed how they did the zombies in this movie i felt like the makeup was really good and normally i do not like a fast moving zombie but i felt like it worked in this movie i i liked it yeah, I was kind of like, it was just so impressive. It felt like, you know, because they're all extras. Mm-hmm. And it felt like everyone brought their A game. Like everything was like very choreographed well. And I felt like the zombies made sense, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, because th- the only thing was they can't see, which I think they were trying to make very clear and obvious, even with like the deer in the beginning was like with the eye stuff to be Mm -hmm. like they can't see so I felt like it felt like very on brand like they all I think it was well done too because it's like in certain parts like so the time where the sister the older the grandma sister got um turned into a zombie and like how you can tell she was a zombie but she was still like maybe early in the transition but like the humanity was still there so like when her sister saw her and it's like I think the makeup was like you said the makeup was done really well and like at the timing Mm-hmm. was perfect to like still build that connection I, I the more I talk about it the more I'm like this is a perfect movie <laughs> yeah I really I think my favorite zombie scene was the um where they get to the train station and they're like it's gonna be great we're here we're safe and then they see the military but the military are all zombies and then there's yeah. that panic of like they come for them and they're like breaking windows and falling out onto the train um, platform. And it, there was one scene in particular I wanted your opinion on. It's um, the dad, Silk Wu, is wrestling with a zombie and it's like a military zombie. And he uses a book. And I feel like they made like a really explicit point of like shoving a book down this military zombie's mouth. And um, like really highlighted that. And I'm curious, what do you think that means? That's a great point. Like, I also noticed that, too. And I'm like wondering, because the book looked like a regular book. Or was there like a little thing on it that made it like a religious book? Like, I couldn't remember. You know how sometimes there's ribbons? Yeah. Like, I wasn't. But it's, um, I mean, there's like uh, the thing that kind of jumps to mind immediately, which is like, this is me just kind of guessing very probably uneducated because in korean culture especially like when it comes to school and like education and society is very strict and like education is like kind of like 
number one like korea so south korea has like one of the highest suicide rates especially for like teenagers because there's like a test that you take at the end of high school where it dictates your future so like how you score on that test is like where you go to college and like what you can do and if you fail that test you basically are gonna be nothing it's not like capitalism where you can like move you don't have to go to college you know it's life is very hard in Korea if you don't go to college and so when people don't do well on the test or like they said like my cousin almost went blind because he studied like nonstop for several months but because he was so focused on studying he could he would only eat top ramen and so like all the sodium almost made him go blind like that's how intense these kids study for it and so um, I wonder if that is kind of like, I don't know, like, I, I really, you know, I, I feel like, because also the military thing is like, when you're young, I think you have to serve like BTS is serving their two years, like everyone has to, all the males have to serve two years. Oh. So it's it could like, I, I would see it as kind of like something like, I don't know, like, I would see it as like, kind of like, fuck the system type of thing, but or like, how, um it's like because the military turned into zombies and then he's like shoving a book down using the book to like kind of shove it in his throat um so I can't go back and forth on that actually I don't know yeah I almost wonder if it's like education is seen as like protection but I don't know yeah it just felt like they were really trying to make a statement there yeah I guess like education yeah I agree with you on the statement I think maybe the education could be used as protection is like like a good way of thinking about it but the thing that also kind of gets me too is because like earlier in the movie remember when they first saw like he they all just thought he was a crazy guy that was like hiding in the oh yeah yeah and then I looked him up online he is quite handsome in real life It's always the ones that they make the un- most unattractive. Like um, Charlize Theron when she did Monster. And oh, then, yeah, like, yeah. It yeah. was just like, she's one of the most gorgeous women. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but like, remember when the CEO, that like uh, CEO guy or whatever, like that big hotshot, like corporate guy. Oh, the was one who like, was bossing everyone around and yeah, being yeah. a total dick. Yeah. A total asshole and like being very selfish. Oh, you know what his name is in his character is Jan Suck. And I was like, yeah, he does suck. <laughs> <laughs> he was like seriously the the worst, which is like I think the ultimate capitalism, like he was personified, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they he said to the little girl, like, if you don't study hard, you'll end up like him. So yes. that's where I'm kind of like, I wonder if it, but then she said only my, my mom says only like bad people say those things. You bring up a good point though, because the, the one that was wrestling with him was suck woo, the dad who is the yeah. blood sucker. So it, maybe it is a statement about like wealth exploiting youth and then making them do their bidding. Yeah, I think that kind of feels that feels right, like putting it into context with everything, because I feel like that scene, yeah, what the book goes directly like is in response to that moment where she said, which is like, I think that also says a lot because that is true, like, especially I feel like that this is a lot of people whose families um, value education. They always say that they'll point to someone who's not successful, like a janitor or something be like, if you don't study or you're not you're going to be just like them and i actually had someone say that to me when i was uh like in my early 20s i worked at subway while i was going (laughs) in your 20s yeah that's like too old (laughs) 
I know. Well, I, I went to college later in life, yeah. but um, I was working at Subway, putting myself through college. And this woman came in with her kid and was like, see, that's what happens if you don't study. And I was just like, wow, that's some shit. They said that about you. OK, now to my get face. I, yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. That is, yeah. that is so wild to me. And like, I think the audacity to say that well uh, to say that in general I do agree with the little girl you're not you're not being a good person but the audacity to say that to you like where you can hear or like treat you like you can't hear them is just like a whole nother level of just like I don't know like there was a cartoon that went around that kind of showed that and it was a Korean cartoon because I I saw the original before the translation and like it was like um kind of the same thing where a mom was pointing it was like uh if you don't study you'll end up like that and then the uh, someone else like stepped in and was like that's not like a nice thing to say or whatever wow oh no if or if you're not a good person then you'll end up like her I think that was like the other parents talking to their kid and I I thought it was just very interesting because like I do agree that it's not you're not like really being a good person by saying that Mm -hmm. right like you're I don't think it's a nice thing to say or think of someone that you think that you can think you're better than someone just because of like an education or piece of paper Mm -hmm. um but I do understand from the parents point of view especially like when you come from your parents come like my parents immigrated here to them like it's so fear-based that you want your kid like you scare them because you're terrified like my mom told me the other day like sometime early like I think it was like maybe a couple weeks ago it was this it was very recent she told me she was proud of me for the first time I'm 35 years old she called to tell me she was proud of me for the first time and she said she was proud of me because I am not homeless yeah you know I'd take the win you know (laughs) right and I was like wait a second if that was your bar this whole entire time though like my life I could have you know if that was just it like I could have done you know I didn't have to be a doctor to not be home if anything being a doctor makes you more likely to be homeless so like it's a lot of debt it's a lot of debt and if you don't if you're not good at it you're fucked or you Mm -hmm. have one malpractice lawsuit you're fucked and so it was just kind of like a very like I do understand like the psychological thing, especially coming from cultures. Like I said, in Korea, they have that one test. If you fuck up that test, your whole life is ruined. Like I had a cousin who, um, very smart kid, very like, like very good looking too. Like always would get in trouble. That's the thing. Like he was, I think too smart and too good looking to like really be told what to do because he can get away (laughs) with shit. He lived in the bubble. And I love that for him. (laughs) But... He was always a fuck up and then he like to the so like to the point where his parents like shipped him off to like Connecticut like in a boarding school to like figure his shit out but then like he still didn't get his shit together but he's so smart he did well on that test now he's like a doctor wow no interest in medical whatsoever but it's just like smart enough to do it and because the test was like you're so smart we're gonna put you here like you can go to do this and the steam and the prestige with it you know what I mean so like that was kind of the thing that I just feel like I think when you have society structured in that way and it's so strict and and heavy with a lot of pressure then I think people in their mind can justify like saying that type of shit but that's Mm -hmm. so crazy because it's like yeah you don't know like the whole subway thing to say that in America really just is crazy to me because you don't know what that person's life is like oh yeah and the fact i was working uh two other jobs so it's like oh fuck you lady 
<laughs> yeah and also like the fact that you're also going to school and they're like well if you don't go to school <laughs> it's like what the fuck but yeah people are awesome <laughs> <laughs> but yeah well now i uh help people you know try to get dignity at work so that feels good feels like a ba- yeah. cosmic balancing so I think one of the like biggest themes in this movie is the idea of fatherhood and masculinity and what that looks like and what I think it really ties in also to the idea you were speaking of, of what it means to be a provider, you know, because I saw that with my father as well. Like my parents got pregnant with me very young, so they both went and got grown up jobs and you know, dad worked in a paper mill. Mom was a nurse. They worked like second and third shift. So it was kind of like being raised by ghosts. But I, I think there is that idea of like focusing on the financial providing versus, you know, like we actually really want quality time and being together. And I think the that conversation is really embodied between saying Hua and Sok Wu. The two dads, like, well, one mm-hmm. will be a dad to be, but I don't know. I just thought all their conversations were really interesting. And I think um, Sue An's dad kept trying to, like, kind of prove himself. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the other guy who wasn't actually a dad yet just had, I don't know, he just seemed so much more aware of, like, what a fully rounded father role should be like. Yeah, I think that was definitely like, you know, when you say that, it that being a theme, like it was so early in the movie where like he, Suan's dad is like on the phone with his, her mom, right? Talking about, and he was like, I'm raising her. And she's like, how are you raising her? Mm-hmm. Like that was the first thing that we kind of are introduced to him with is that conversation. And I think that really does go into like the idea of like what, and then and during the fighting or like when they're trying to like provide like, um, the husband he is you know like being able to protect everyone he's the first one to give himself for everybody right and he's the strongest one and then you have someone I think they also did that on purpose right like someone who's probably like more we're assuming is more working class Mm -hmm. who is stronger and has the more full-rounded idea of what it is to be a father or like a husband or like being a part of a family or I guess the patriarch of a family and like mm-hmm. even he's like so sweet to his wife like who's in the bathroom he's just like oh sweetie like you know hurry up there's so-. like no just kidding I made her go away like he was just very like catering to her right yeah versus like someone's dad that's like he's like pretty boy skinny yeah like kind of doesn't know how to fight like in the- for a long time in the movie he is always scared yeah and then he ends up like like during the time where uh i think when they go through the baseball car he like wakes up the kid and it's like hurry up or like he becomes that person but like for most of the movie he's the one that's like always like paralyzed in fear like even with like the book thing like he did the book thing he was still fighting him off the guy um the crazy guy like comes in and puts the jacket over him and he doesn't move he just sits there like complete shock and I think like it really yeah I think the dichotomy of those two or the duality of those two really does like kind of do the whole like fatherhood and masculinity thing very well oh so I gotta ask uh what scene did you ugly cry at the hardest 
Oh, 100% the last one when I also realized he did not tell his daughter, I love you. <laughs> like, mm. Just like all the fucking things. And I think also it hit harder because like I lost my, I like my dad passed away a couple years ago. And so it's just like, I'm sorry. Thank you. It, it's just like, we never really had words. Like I never heard him say, I love you. Like I never heard anything like that, but like, it's kind of hard to not believe that a man who worked so hard and even though I lived my life being like, well, if he truly loved me, he want to do this or that. Or like, you know, he would like, you know, especially when I grew up with the idea of like true parental love of what that looks like is full house family matters. Like TV. They were family. a lie. They were a lie. <laughs> but like when, you know, when I like, I'm like, a, I'm a young kid. I'm like, what, yeah. five or six. And I'm like, you know, I have my parents who are Korean and then I'm watching American TV and being like, well, this is the culture that I'm, I'm, we're in. Like, this is how I'm, this is what life is supposed to be like, because my parents aren't around. They're too busy working. So I'm being raised by what perfect is basically. And all I felt my whole entire life was lacking. Like mm-hmm. I would see that and I'd be like, I don't have that. So I'm less than, or I, 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 I'm lacking something. And I think because I, I never felt, I never heard the words, I love you, or I never got, they never, my dad went to like most of my golf tournaments, but like before golf, it was like, I never really hung out with them or saw them because they're so busy working. And like, I'm watching these kids having quality time on screen with their TV parents, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I think for me, um, now that I'm older, I'm realizing what love especially from my parents and from that generation and our culture really looks like so when I saw that last scene in the movie or the second to last real scene in the movie I guess when he's like dying like he you know he is like transitioning into like the zombie and so he like you don't even see him that the way they did they with just the shadow like it's just like everything about it was just like they did unnecessary like they did violence and gore, but it was very like calculated where they're like, we're not doing too much because we're focusing on the story, I felt like. And then, but when he is like kind of, tr- when he's turning into a zombie and you just see the flashbacks of him and how happy he was holding his daughter, like I just fucking lost it. I was just like, damn, he does love his daughter. And I was like, maybe my dad did love me. Like it was just like a whole, whole thing where just like, I think it was like a, a therapy session. Yeah. And you bring up such a good point because it is like a gory scene, right? Like someone Mm -hmm. becoming a zombie, throwing themselves off a train. But the way they shoot it is so beautiful. It almost feels like a like a reconciliation of some kind. And um, the shadow of it, like it still like makes me weepy. (laughs) Yeah. And the whole like, um he also like you just hear his daughter crying for him when the Mm -hmm. whole entire movie she was like I just want my mom yeah even the the grandma like his mom was like before while she was like on the phone when she was turning into a zombie was like you know I I love her but all she wants is her mom and then at the the last part he's like proven himself to be a good dad but but it's like kind of too late you Mm -hmm. know like I'm sure if he didn't get been the whole like maybe they would have had a great father-daughter relationship everything would have been repaired because he's like yeah like you know I need to be there like life is too short and all of this and but that's not what happened he learned his lesson he did he proved himself only to not even 
reap the benefits of all the hard work he did like he never got to spend time with her in a in peace like they were so close and then just like it just didn't happen you know and I feel like that yeah I'm I'm also getting emotional thinking about it it was just so it was really well done and so really emotionally devastating <laughs> it was a lot yeah and I think that's why I like it <laughs> yeah no, I mean, from what you're telling me with your family, like that must have hit even harder, like even more brutal. Like, Yeah, I definitely. Um, and I think like each time, too, it gets like the first time I watched it, ugly cried. Second time I knew it was happening. So it was like less. But it was just like I'm also getting older and I'm also seeing the movie from like both sides, which is. I don't know what's that to say like when we get older you know we don't I think it is part of like if your parents are great and you you love them so much and they can do no wrong in your eyes I love that journey for you <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot of us that don't that never really that don't have that you know and so a lot of what I've been trying to do and I I saw um one of my comic friends she's like she does like she's a Reiki healer I guess um mm. very good at what she does but she, one of our my session with her she told me she's like be the parent to you that you wish you had Ooh. and that like fucked me up yeah amazing human being she also like does a lot of like meditation and stuff Sarah Taylor amazing human being but when she said that to me it fucked me up and I think like that's why train to Busan also hits very hard is because like I'm I think it's like there's a part of me that I am like yeah I am trying the the only thing that I'm really changing about myself is like the language and words that I use to myself. But that's huge. If I though. think that's about like my, your core, you know? Yeah. But if I think about my actions and I think about like how I show love to my girlfriend and my friends and like the things that I do, it, it's very like I am still my parents. So I think that's kind of the thing that like as I'm getting older, I'm like, no one's perfect. And if I have to like, think about the things that I have to rewire if I just have to rewire my brain and like with the word section I am very grateful for that like it is like because I understand why it was so hard for them and like watching the movie I'm also like it's like very clear this is a cultural thing even the whole like thinking about others versus yourself like that that thing is very very cultural and like so versus like America I feel like America has more of because of capitalism has more of everyone's more okay with think of yourself only versus Korea is like a very communal culture like we have side dishes right we all share that together like just even how we eat and stuff like that is very communal and so I think seeing that that debate happen in that movie also was just like yeah because I feel like that's kind of a key change that happened with me and my family it was like my family you know coming from Korea coming to here and realizing like you can only look out for yourself out here and like versus like in Korea like everyone kind of helps each other it's like not that I don't know but yeah I, I think the the cultural part of the movie really hit more and made me appreciate my parents more because I can see it as from like an older perspective now. Man, that's really insightful and beautiful. Thank you for sharing so much about your life. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to do so and a safe place to do so. You're very oh, yeah. 
warm. <laughs> Even through Zoom, you're very warm. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, yeah, it's been so wonderful having you on. Is there any uh, final thoughts you would like to give on Train to Busan? I don't know if anyone who was a part of the movie will hear this. I hope mainly because I think it's a language barrier thing, but I think uh, I just want to say thank you. I just, I, I love the movie. I hope more people will watch it. And, um, you know, I, I hope others also have kind of the same experience that I have with it where they really enjoyed it. Um, and I also, uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of on like a big scale, like I kind of wish like that for everybody as well. Um, and I, I don't know, I think it's really dope that a movie and a much less a horror movie, which is a genre I never really fucked with before, was one that kind of impacted me in such a way. So I think like with Train to Busan, I also encourage people to kind of go outside their comfort level. I know a lot of people won't watch stuff with subtitles and I hope maybe this podcast will be like, they'll, they'll listen to it and be like, hey, maybe I'll change my mind and give it a shot. So, you know, just thank you and give things that you usually don't do a shot, I guess. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's, I mean, we go full spoiler and we talked about everything. So if you haven't seen it and you've listened to all this, I'm sorry, but you knew what you were getting into. Oh, that's into. so true. But <laughs> very true. And also to be fair, I feel like we cannot do it justice. You have to watch it. Yeah. To truly, truly get it. And I think you'll still ugly cry. So, I mean, yeah, I do apologize for spoilers. Oh, like, yeah. I've seen this movie. First- I've seen this movie like five times and still ugly cry all the time. It's and so so many parts. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's amazing. And I'm yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I never really get invited to talk about horror things because I tell people it's nice nice just to reconnect with you. I had so much fun chatting with you at Limestone. We'll have to we'll have to have you on again. Or we could just I'm coming to LA in February, so we could get lunch yeah 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 let me know if you um we'll see what the living situation is but if you need a couch to crash on you can always crash oh thank you i'm gonna stay with my my aunt and her wife but i appreciate that oh well yeah let's definitely do lunch then yeah for sure so excited what would you like people to know about my website i it's dhongcomedy.com i also made half of it's a half mailing list and half like tell me where to perform thing so nice. you can sign up for it because it took me four hours to make um that would be great yes uh but yeah I mean yeah uh all the shows and stuff are on there I'm hoping to uh do some more social media stuff so yeah follow me on socials tiktok instagram uh I think I'm missing one Oh, well, I, it's all on my website, but yeah. Yeah, we'll um, put the links in the episode so everyone can check it out. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I have some cool shows coming up and some cool festivals, so I'm really excited. Ooh, what is uh, what is uh, kind of your top ranking most excited for? Uh, I am hosting for Aaron Jackson at San Francisco Punchline. Oh, hell yeah. She's so fucking funny. I'm so excited. And then I'm doing Sketchfest and then um, Congrats. That's Thank huge. You. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So um yeah, doing some traveling and then um my girlfriend and I are gonna do take do that NorCal trip in January for Sketchfest, but also make it like kind of like a go visit the snow trip. Oh yeah. So I'm really excited <laughs> for that. No comedy there, but for me personally, it's a great thing to look forward to. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to just take a break. 
it's so needed sometimes I think like mm -hmm. you know that's the whole thing it's like if you don't have if you don't take breaks and enjoy life what what the hell are you even talking about you know Agreed. where's your material coming from agree you need to go experience so you have something to write about exactly or that's what I tell myself because I love taking breaks <laughs> <laughs> dude same so we're gonna go with that it's too two for two art. <laughs> it's for the art <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, that's been Diana, and I've been Kristen. This has been Bloody Mary. Have a great night. Why are you creeping